0: name is Kristen most of you all if you listen to this podcast or have listened to encouragement from Kristen's backyard you already know this you know that I have a homestead and I have a lot of animals but things are beginning to change see right now I am looking at five chickens only one chicken from the original set that I purchased two years ago I have three Easter egg layers and two brown egg layers. And they are enjoying some bell peppers, tomatoes, and some cracked corn right now. It's a misconception about chickens because a lot of people think that they can eat anything, but that's actually not true. Chickens can only eat really what you can eat. If you can't eat it, They can't eat it. You do not give chickens spoiled food. You do not give them things like mushrooms, potatoes. It's not really good for them. These chickens are more like raptors. I mean, they just devour everything that I give them. And I tell you, one time I had a rotisserie chicken. Sadly that we didn't finish my house leftovers if it's not eaten in two days We're getting rid of it. And so I don't compost it I just throw it out to the chickens and I literally set out a rotisserie chicken and they became cannibals There is no signs of bones left from that chicken But they enjoyed it apparently right they enjoyed it I have Two dogs, we have a rabbit and a lizard, and I'm really at the point in my life where I'm sick of all these animals, honestly. I really don't want any more. I really honestly and truly want to get rid of the dogs that I have. I'm just not in a mood for caring for any more animals. As much as I love them, they are a lot of work. And there's been a lot of change in my life, and having to maintain, A homestead is, it's tough when your heart and your emotions is just not currently in it. I am managing okay. I do love my chickens. Of all, I don't want to get rid of my chickens. And the dogs that I have, I actually wanted a small dog, like, you know, a Yorkie or something like that. And it's a whole story how I ended up with two medium-sized dogs. I love them very dearly, but it is beginning to be a little bit draining. Sometimes I come home and I'm in for a little bit of an adventure. I've had foxes in my backyard, um, coyotes in the area. I have a family of deer that visit my backyard quite often. And one time I was coming home and there was even a goat running down the street. Actually running right towards my car. There is a whole lot going on on this homestead. And you hear me in these leaves because I just stepped in some sugar honey iced tea. And I'm not even sure that's from one of my animals. But that's how it is when you have a homestead. Having a homestead does give me a sense of peace and that is quiet. You know, I pretty much live in the woods, but I'm right near the city as well. But then also, I'm just really tired of all the animals. <laughs> as much as I love them, I've stressed that I love them, I'm tired of them. But the one thing I won't get rid of right now, at least, is chickens. Um, the dogs are living on thin ice. <laughs> They're just, I got one dog that's old and one dog that's only two years old. And I mean, it's a lot of work. But I'm going through a lot of changes. And my changes don't look the way that they did two years ago. Two years ago, I moved in this home and I was happy and excited and thanking God that I finally been in a position to be able to purchase my first home. And now, a lot has changed. A lot of adjustments, a lot of considerations, a lot of emotions, a lot of reflection, a lot of tears. And through this entire process, I've managed to make straight A's in graduate school. I've managed to be doing well in my career. And my kids are just absolutely amazing. I mean, every parent thinks their kids are amazing, but I am truly blessed. But in spite of all of this, I come home, and there's always an animal on the loose. Whether it's chickens, dogs, or these darn squirrels in my backyard that eat up everything. No matter what I'm going through in my life, I have to tend to these animals, and I'm tired of it. It's exhausting. but... In a way, maybe it's good for me. Maybe it keeps my mind off of things that I have to come home and deal with animal stuff. I have to figure out, how did the chicken get out of this area? I thought we had safely secured this area. I thought this area was protected from cats, stray cats getting in, and then... The squirrel issue and then there's a big chipmunk issue and the chipmunks dig holes in the backyard and when the kids are out running and playing every now and then their foot slips through a hole. When I first moved here, a man told me that we had sinkholes in our backyard and I believed them. But as I began to live here, I realized these are not sinkholes. These are darn chipmunk holes. I didn't know that at the time the chipmunks lived underground and that the squirrels were the ones running around in the trees. And there was a lot of things I learned about being out here in the wilderness. I had no plans on coming up with the encouragement from Kristen's Backyard podcast. I didn't know what we was going to do with this large yard. I don't even think I was sold on the yard. I saw the yard as being lot of work what I was sold on was the magnolia tree in the front yard because growing up we always had a magnolia tree in Dallas Texas and for the holidays we would cut off the flowers and we would keep them in the house and the house would smell like magnolia all the time and Joanna Gaines coined the term magnolia on all of her everything Before I could, but I'm truly in love with magnolia trees, and so I was sold on the magnolia tree. Got in the house and had to do some renovations, then, COVID hit, and all of these things happened. I thought, okay, well, we're out of eggs, we're out of this. I've always wanted to know what it's like to farm. Let's figure it out, let's research it, let's start doing it because apparently the world is going down and at the end of the day, we gotta eat. I was already putting my finger a little bit into gardening so that just became even more exciting to be able to have my first garden in my first home. But then, sometimes you make changes in, in your life And you think that things in your personal life will get better because of it. But as I was growing in other areas, my personal life and my marriage was still stagnant, still going downhill, still making me unhappy at the end of the day. But I did a very good job covering it up. I did a very good job putting on my happy face and plowing through and being tough and being strong because that's what I was raised to do and that's what life has taught me to do is to be strong be strong for my children be strong for myself even be strong for all of the animals on the homestead because at the end of the day I got a purpose and I have a vision and work to do there's so much to be done for the kingdom of the Lord because at the end of the day only what you do for God will last So I was focused on everything else and not focused on my emotional well-being within my marriage. There were so many times I come home and I just wanted to be able to talk to someone that was a companion and I did not have that. There were so many aggressive situations in the home and abusive situations and fighting and fussing and arguing and going back and forth and going back and forth and It just became exhausting. Then there was a lot of counseling. A lot of pushing. A lot of praying. A lot of sitting down and writing things down and figuring out, well, what do we do now? What do we do in two weeks? What now? What then? What later? And as I'm still trying to get the crap off my foot... It just wasn't enough. Nothing I did was ever enough. And I guess maybe he felt that nothing he did was ever enough. He felt like the walls were closing in on him. And the responsibility for him was too much and too great. And though it is for the man, isn't it? So then I begin to feel sorry because, Lord, why would you make this so great for him? If I can carry the burden, I will. I will work two jobs to take care of this family. I will do it all. I will plan the vacations. I will do whatever I have to do so that he doesn't have to feel the pressure of the world and of the family. And while I'm doing this, I'm looking over at my companion, watching TV all day, sitting in a rocking chair or a lounge chair and on his phone and flipping through screens and day after day after day, year after year, month after month, month after month, year after year. So then I begin to ask, what is the purpose that you have for this family? What is the vision that you have for this family? You always told me when we got together, we would build an empire together. and there was no answers. For months I asked, and there was no answers. Matter of fact, it wasn't even on his mind having a plan for his family. And I began to realize that we were never going anywhere as a family. We were never going to go anywhere Because I was following a parked car. And yes, I am being extremely real on this podcast. Don't get too used to it because I may not ever open up about this again. All the while, still having to go out and make sure these chickens stay in the place where a hawk cannot get them because how many times have I come home and an owl and hawks have been flying around the backyard? As a matter of fact, there is a hawk in the sky right now flying right over me and the tree that's right behind me as I'm recording this podcast is where an owl hoots every single night and has landed just a couple of feet from me at many times where I've been out here with my chickens just waiting for me to turn my head or go in a direction where he can swoop past me and grab one of these chickens. It is so difficult trying to keep these chickens in particular these new millennial chickens I have in this coop we have a coop we have a fenced in area there is protection from owls going across this area but I can't let them roam outside this area because they will get taken and the only smart chicken is Addison which is the very one from the first set of chickens I had who is the oldest she knows what to do and if the other ones don't follow her they are a goner And I have had at least three chickens killed in the last nine months. All while trying to finish graduate school, trying to raise my children and be a good wife and work in ministry and do all of these things while also hiding the true pain that I was dealing with because I did not have a companion, although I was married for 14 years. Life is hard on a homestead. One year, Hurricane Ida came through and knocked down a tree that if it had went just a little bit to the left, it would have fallen on top of the house, but fortunately it did not, it fell in the backyard. That's a whole nother situation because that caused misery within the family because things were done and just needs to know that the tree was just, it just had to lay there. There was nothing we could do about it. We could not pay to get it drug out. Then eventually I worked hard enough to come up with the money to have someone come and chop it up. They came and chopped it up, but they could not move it because they didn't have enough money to have them move it out. At least not that and taking care of all of the many other things I had to take care of. Not to say that my husband didn't do his part because he did pay the mortgage and he did pay the bills. But I paid everything else. And listen, this tree got chopped up and they were nice enough to push the wood out into the forest. Thank God, because now everybody could come back over and play and it wouldn't be dangerous. talking about my kids friends that is because everybody loves coming to Kristen's house to play I mean who would it when you literally sit on an acre of land but there are still three trees left that are very dangerous to my house and They are infected trees, so I have found out, even though they still let out so many leaves that it doesn't matter how many times I come out here and blow the leaves, as you can hear, I'm still stepping on dry leaves. But eventually, these leaves will go into the ground, turn into dust, and become fertilizer. And in the springtime, I will have green grass in my backyard. I would love to light a fire, but there's no more chopped wood out here from the tree, so I have to go buy wood, which I don't feel like doing because the wood is so skinny for $8 at the local grocery store. All the while, still trying to maintain my sanity with everything that I've gone through. How many of you can relate? I'm going to dive right in. Of my life, surviving divorce with animals on the loose, right after this message. After 14 years of marriage, I filed for divorce. I filed for divorce. In the 14 years that I was married, I suffered in silence. I kept things private, at least as long as I could. Only a few people knew what I was really dealing with within my marriage. I experienced neglect, abandonment, cheating, aggression and abuse and I fought and I fought and I fought and when people find out they always ask the magic magical question did you go to counseling did you do therapy (laughs) oh my gosh Why do you ask people that, that have gone through a divorce? Most people that go through divorce have gone through counseling. Most people. Women in particular do not get married to end up in divorce. They just don't. And I would probably go as far as to say men don't either. Nobody wants to go through the process of getting married to then later get divorced. Most people want and expect their marriages to last. I sure did. And honestly, I could have kept going. I could have kept the marriage. I just would have been suffering. So, to answer that question for those that say and ask, did you go to counseling? Did you go to therapy? In 14 years, we probably went to counseling 14 times, at least once a year. We did a lot of different kinds of counseling. We did marriage counseling, we did blended family counseling. And any time there's dysfunction in a marriage, it's typically both people. Both people are at fault for something. But in this marriage, the other party was just not willing to make the adjustments needed to save the family. They, he wanted the family. But for whatever reasons, he was not able to make it work. Or refuse to make it work. I question for this podcast just how real and open I should be because as open as I am there are still a lot of things that I keep private especially with my family. It's just not for the public to know it's really none of anyone's business. So hopefully today, any transparency that I do have will be helpful unto you. When you are a Christian and you're going through divorce, there's not a lot of talk about divorce in the Bible. As a matter of fact, it, the Bible speaks against divorce. God hates divorce. And he does. He absolutely hates divorce. But just as much as he hates divorce, there are other things that he hates as well. For example, he hates abortion. He also hates anyone that does any harm to children. As a matter of fact, if you are doing harm to a child, it is better to tie a stone around your neck And just simply go dive in the ocean and sink to the bottom. Just because God hates something doesn't mean there's not forgiveness for it and doesn't mean that He will not bless you to move on. There are reasons to get divorced. And although it's not a lot of talk about it, there are other scriptures in the Bible that you have to look at to think about your well-being. And I'm going to look at two of those scriptures tonight or today. I'm recording this at night. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster or evil to give you a future and a hope. If you are in a situation right now, please understand that the Lord knows the plans that he has for you. And if you evaluate the situation that you are in and you find that it does not line up with the plans that God has for you, plans for good and not harm to you, not harm to your family, not harm to your mental health, not harm to your physical body, but to give you a future and a hope. If your future and your hope right now is full of disaster, full of confusion, full of hurt and pain. We're not talking about a disagreement or an argument. We're talking about day after day after day of frustration and pain and your emotions being whipped down to the bone Is that the plan that the Lord has for you? Ephesians 5 and 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. If you are a wife... And your husband is not loving you the way that Christ loved the church. And you have to go back and examine how Christ loved the church. And then he gave himself for it. He died for the church. You should have a husband that loves you. And the same for those husbands out there. Your wife should love you. And submit herself to you. But it is a two way street. Anything in the home that is not functioning properly starts with the man. When Adam was placed on this earth, he was given a job. And after he was given a job and a purpose, he was given a wife. He was given a wife. To lead over her and to love her and to be one with her. Everything starts with the man in the home. And I have discovered some interesting things. I have discovered just how true it is that a man in, controls the environment of the home. My environment was full of chaos. Chaos. There was hardly any space and any room for peace. And I fought very hard to make my house a home. I fought very hard to make my house a place of peace. And I did accomplish that in a lot of ways. But in so many other ways, my house was full of chaos. And now that I am divorced... I see a complete difference in my children, a complete there's a completely different atmosphere in the home. It's so peaceful. The man controls the environment of the home. The man controls everything in the home. It is not good for a man to control the environment and make the environment unlivable for his family. And the painful part is, is sometimes you have relatives that come in the mix and they see things sort of one-sided or they're, they're in support of one side. And I'm not saying that necessarily this is my situation, but in general, Sometimes family wants you to fight hard, right? And they don't, they don't want to lose what they are used to seeing, which is also what the, the, the petitioner is going through as well. And sometimes their judgment can be clouded by their desire, that they're not giving you proper advice. No one should stay in a marriage that is abusive in any way. You can be abusive physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, but especially physically. A man should not be putting his hands on his wife or his children in an act of anger. A man should not be aggressive and handle his wife and his children in a manner of aggression. As if that man has to fight. You should not have to fight your wife and your children. You should not have a state of mind where you feel like you're, you are always in a battle. And sometimes we do feel that way. I know I have grown up having to fight my way out of situations which is maybe why I married in the same situation unconsciously not even knowing it at the at the time marriage is very very difficult but it should also be joyous it should also be loving and warm and there really should be more good times than bad times in my marriage, oftentimes, I did not feel simply loved. I did not feel loved. I did not feel appreciated. And I fought myself for years wondering, what was I doing? Was I not interesting enough? or maybe I was too this? Maybe I was too that? I never felt like I could completely be good enough. To make him happy. And when I examine even my previous relationships, they did not work because I could not amount up to the woman that that person wanted me to be. I couldn't be those things. I could only be me. And that was not enough for the, the few people that I was with. Because I wasn't with many people before my husband. But the few people that I was with, I was not good enough for them. And I'm not saying by just me sitting and thinking about it. I'm saying even by some of them telling me to my face, I want you to be more like this. I want you to be more like that. And so... When I went into my marriage, I experienced the same thing. And that was partially me, me not having space and room to grow and be able to see and acknowledge those behaviors and what I was accepting in my own personal life. And so the next time it would be very different. And I'm having to watch to make sure that I don't have those same behaviors No man should make a woman feel like she's not worth it and she's not good enough for him. At the end of the day, I could rest well knowing, knowing deep in my heart that I was a great wife. I was a good wife. I did my due diligence. I've had time to evaluate it, pray about it, look at it, look in the mirror, look at all the things And I can honestly say I have peace because I know that I wasn't perfect. Doesn't mean by far that I was perfect, but I was a darn good wife, darn good wife. And so this is a new season for me and I am learning how to navigate through this season. Another thing that I am learning how to do is seek God about different things in my life. The first time we went to court, we had a male judge, and that judge was extremely strict. And he kept saying, if you don't have the evidence, you won't get what you need today. You have to have the evidence. You must show the evidence and it made me realize that as a christian when we go before our righteous judge he is our judge he is not our lawyer that judge kept saying you don't this i i i am a judge i do not operate as a lawyer most of the people there were representing themselves Only a few had had a lawyer to um, speak for them, and so when I walked out of there, I learned that Jesus Christ is our lawyer, and if you don't have Jesus in your life, how can you go stand before the righteous judge? That judge was strict; he was about business. But then the flip side of the coin is that when I we went the second time, when our divorce was finalized, that judge was extremely nice and loving and warm. And as a matter of fact, I felt like to a degree she was breaking the law because she was trying to help people in such a way. There was one man that did that was getting a divorce. His, his wife wasn't there. She was in another state, and he didn't have a form signed by her that was a court document. And she was trying so hard to work with this man about this signed document, so much so that she was like, well, can she email it to me? And I was like, what? That also showed me, because it was completely different from the first judge, it also showed me that God is graceful. Our righteous judge is all of those personalities. He is, he is strict, and direct, when needed. But he is also loving, warm, and compassionate. And her compassion, to my to to my defense, really uh, it wasn't good for me. It didn't give me the results that I. That the first judge would have given me that I felt that I needed for my family with negotiations of different things that, you know, you have to work through when you're in that type of situation. But I had to walk out of there and I really just had to say, Lord, for whatever reason, you know, these are the judges I had and, and this, these are the outcomes. I have to trust that you would take care of me because I didn't feel that when we left out of the courtroom, things were working in my favor being that I had the children. It felt like it worked more in his favor not to have to do certain requirements to make sure that we were going to be okay. And... Um, But the downside of that is neither one of us had a lawyer. We did not have someone fighting our case. I didn't have someone to fight my case for me. I had to fight it by myself. And so it just reminded me so much of how it's so important to have Christ, to have Christ Fight our battles for us. He's the one that's up petitioning God. We don't have to say anything. He knows what to say. He knows the law. We don't know all of the law. And that was one of the main things that the first judge was trying to help us understand is you need a lawyer to because a lawyer understands the law and can present things to him in such a way where that, ju- that lawyer is really fighting on your behalf. And we did not have that. I did not have that. Now, because we didn't have lawyers, you know, we didn't have to pay as much money. Well, I didn't have to pay as much money. And, you know, all of the things that go with that. But I also didn't get the, the, the full outcome of what I felt I needed for my family. And so it's so important, again, to have Christ in your life to fight those battles. So what I'm basically saying is throughout this process, I've learned so much from a natural standpoint, but then also from a spiritual standpoint. This has been a very interesting time in my life. I don't believe in celebrating divorces I don't believe in going going out and celebrating a divorce. I don't believe in having a divorce party. And for those that do that, that's fine. There is no judgment here because everyone's situation is different and everybody has the right to feel the way they do when they're going through something as difficult as a divorce. Even for the petitioner, it is a difficult, very difficult decision. I had been battling with the decision, and this time last year, I, it, w- it wasn't even on my mind to get a divorce. But a series of events happened in a very, very dark, rough position and place of my life this year around my birthday that caused me to make the decision. So it was a whole lot. I went through a whole lot of turmoil and pain and hurt and suffering again and silence and, I mean, so much so that I was sinking deep. And I was about to lose it and I just couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't do it anymore. So for me, it was not a celebration, but I am celebrating a new beginning, a new beginning of my life to see what the Lord still has for me. There are desires that have awakened that I thought were dead, that I thought was just non-existent. These are desires that when I'm thinking about the desires I have now, I'm like, oh my God, Kristen, you're insane for even wanting this. It's just really ridiculous, really, you know, the, but I didn't realize that I had these desires. You know, there's a lot of things that I can do now and I don't feel that there is competition or... That, you know, someone's really not in support of the things that God is calling me to do. Um, And so and then I don't have to necessarily have permission to do certain things anymore, which was perfectly fine throughout my marriage because you have to submit yourselves to each other. But sometimes I was given permission to do things just I felt like it was just because but I didn't get the support that I needed once I was doing the things. And so, um, you know, I don't have to worry about someone not being there for me anymore. But divorce is a very lonely road. It, it is exciting and that is new beginnings and you don't know what God has in store for you and the things that he's still able to bring to life for you. But it also leaves behind a lot of pain and a lot of figuring things out and and trying to cope with life now. And our life is good, don't get me wrong. But there are still times where I have moments and my moments are not like what you would expect. But I've had to really self-evaluate and I've really had to even forgive myself. That was probably... The biggest struggle is forgiving myself for having to make the decision, even though it was the right decision. And I and I felt released to I sought counsel when I was making this decision. I even sought counsel. So it wasn't like, you know, even though I had gone through so much that I was just like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to file for divorce in the morning. I actually even when I was done, I actually sought counsel. And so, and other things transpired in my life. Um, Someone that I had was in love with before I met my husband had resurfaced. And I had thought that, you know, maybe we could have something because, you know, this was the love of my life. And that didn't work out. That person ended up going back to their ex. And so, that was hurtful and painful. And so... I had to deal with that on top of my heart already being broken from my own marriage. And that situation was a short, short lived resurface. I never even saw the person. Um, it was basically phone conversations, but just the thought of reconnecting with someone that you felt like you should have married before, because this person I had known before my husband and we were young and afraid to make moves, and um, i I guess maybe off and on I would think of, I would would have thought about it during my marriage, especially you know, particularly when the, the times were rough and hard. I would think, oh my gosh, you know, what if if I had of married this person like I was supposed to, at least thinking that I was supposed to?" Maybe I wouldn't be going through this because me and the person was madly in love with each other before I met my husband. Um, And it was just one of those situations where we let each other slip from each other's hands. And so when the person resurfaced and we talked for a a month or two and then it was over, that was painful. So it was like I was going through a death because, first of all, a divorce is like a death. There is a grieving process. So I was grieving my own marriage. And then the person comes in my life. And now I'm grieving them leaving again. And I've talked a bit on a few other podcasts about how my life has been a life of rejection. I've experienced so much rejection. And I know and I understand after after healing sessions and... Um, therapy sessions that sometimes rejection is God's protection is God protecting you from who that person is what what kind of drama they're going to bring in your life because only God knows but it's still painful to go through the rejection and I have gone through rejection and I and I know it's cliche because you know everybody's gone through rejection but I've seriously gone through rejection like if I was to run down From the time I was born, the type of rejection I have gone through over the years, you would be like, oh yeah, Kristen has gone through some rejection. And so, it was just very painful to be rejected by my husband throughout the years, 14 years of marriage, just the rejection, the neglect, and the abandonment that I experienced in my marriage, and still stayed faithful. Um and then to to get to the very end and towards the end someone that i was madly in love with resurfaces just to go away so you know it's just very painful and so um i've had to deal with all of that with all of that and you know it was it was it was heartbreaking so This is a new beginning, and I am learning how to maneuver. God is still moving and doing great things. This podcast is one thing, and I've started my own dance company, Ego Vision Dance Co., and I'm looking forward to what God has in this new season for me with those things. And whatever happens in my personal life, I'm open to it. As long as it's God, because I don't want to do things myself anymore. I want God to choose my future for me because he knows the plans that he has for me. Plans for me to prosper and to have hope. And I want to encourage you today that maybe if you're in this same situation or you know someone that is in this type of situation, don't suffer alone, don't suffer in silence. We as women, we do that, we have a tendency of doing that. Suffering in silence almost took me out. I cannot tell you the level of stress that I've gone through from my skin breaking out really bad on my face, from my eye twitching to me not feeling well. I'm in graduate school. I have managed to make straight A's. It's really by the grace of God. I have no idea how I've been able to even manage that while going through a divorce Um, and making honor society and and again, this is the second time I've made honor society and I didn't have anyone to celebrate that with. My husband did not celebrate that with me. Um by the time I made, I think we had just separated. But we didn't celebrate my first um any any major milestone that I've had in 14 years. It was not celebrated. Um, I made dean's list. Um, These were great accomplishments for me because when I was in elementary, well, uh, not particularly elementary, but grade school period, I barely passed. And matter of fact, my senior year, I did not even get to graduate because I did not pass the math portion of the exit exam. And um, it took a lot of trying and failing and failing and failing and failing and failing um i actually tried to retake that test eight times and i failed it eight times i have a whole story behind it but it wasn't until years later after having all three of my children that i decided decided to get my ged and I, i did get it and once i've i started college That first semester in school, I made the honor roll, and I made dean's list. I got writing awards as the years went by, and I... I've had a lot of accomplishments as far as my education. So it's been a really big deal to me to have made these accomplishments because I just, I just, I wasn't that smart. (laughs) I was, I really struggled in school. So for me to have straight A's, to me, that's like some light bulbs is going off somewhere because I was just not that smart. I've always been a nerd, but I was just not that smart. And so, um, but I didn't have anyone to celebrate those with for the entire fourteen years i I was not celebrated for any of those things. I didn't get flowers for those things I didn't get taken out to eat dinner or anything like that. It was just like, oh, congratulations, good job, and let's move on with our life and so and And I'm one of those people. I guess one of my love languages is praise and affirmations because i I need that you know i I think for me. All five of them, I need. Um, my main two is physical touch and quality time. But I need a little bit of all of those. I like getting gifts and I like affirmations and, you know, there's so many other things that I like. And so, um, for me, I did need those things, but I I've learned to manage without. And I think when you get to a point in your life or your marriage when you're managing. You're managing without. You have to go again back to the scripture. Is this the plans that you have for me, Lord? So don't let someone, if you are in a situation again. Most cases, you don't have to end up in divorce. I do believe, and it took me a long time to make the decision. Because I do believe that people really just give up too easily. We don't fight like you know, our parents did back in the day, you know, those, those couples that have been married 30 and 40 years, they they didn't give up easy. You should not give up on your marriage. But when you are being mistreated, when, when you're being treated a way that is contrary to the word of God, you don't have to go look just for the scripture on divorce. There's plenty other scriptures in the Bible. I've only given you two, but there's way more That would show you that this is not what God has for you. So if you're in a situation and you know of someone or you know of someone in a situation in their marriage where they are completely being abused and neglected and misused and there is nothing that they can do about it because they've done it all. And usually it's one party that doesn't want to cooperate, which is unfortunate Because, you know, a lot of times when people get a divorce, they say uh, irreconcilable differences, right? But really, (laughs) most situations can be reconciled. You have to operate in the fruits of the Spirit. You have to operate in the love of Christ. But most people operate out of greed and anger and unforgiveness. And you can't operate that like that. I feel more now that I can give marriage advice than I ever could during the time that I was married, that I, that I was married. When you stand before the judge, one of the things that they ask you is, "Is this marriage uh, reconcilable? Can you fix this marriage?" If you say, "Yes," you're not going to get your divorce, but if you say no, you will be granted your divorce. But even when we say no, most, probably 99% of the, the time, it can be. But it requires at least one party making some adjustments, whether they're minor or whether they're major. And I like to look at the, the, the quality over the quantity of a situation. 99% of the time, it can be worked out. It is fixable, but it's usually one person that does not want to do the work it takes to make it work. And marriage is work. So if you know someone or if you're in a situation and it's not lining up to the plans that the Lord has for you, his thoughts that he has towards you, If it is not lined up with Christ loving you as he loves the church, you have to sever the tie. You have to break the tie. You cannot live like that. You could, but... It's probably going to open the door for the canker worm and the pommel worm and the caterpillar and all of those other worms to come in and eat away at you and infect you. And you will not be able to live the life that God really has for you. During that time, biblical times, when the Lord was addressing divorce, he had to, the law had to be written because they was doing some foolishness back in those days. There was a lot of things, if you look back in the word of God that was done, if you look at the the Israelites and how they were acting, and then you look at, you know, the situations where... Uh, like in Sodom and Gomorrah, they was doing some dirty, dirty stuff. So these rules had to be put in place because of those things. It's not just in Old Testament now, it's New Testament said in the New Testament. It's not about that. It's about what was going on during that time. And unfortunately, we are st- we are headed back in those same times. But if you think about David and kings during the biblical days, they had multiple wives. Now, God only wanted them to have one wife. Remember, you can go back to Genesis when he, when Adam was given Eve, it was one wife and you are to leave your mother and your father and cleave to your one wife. But the Kings had multiple wives, multiple wives. And what the wives were thinking at the time, I don't know. Cause listen, I'm not going to share my man with nobody. Okay. It just ain't finna, we ain't finna roll like that. But that's what kings did. But God still blessed David because he was a man after God's own heart. He never even addressed, at least in the Bible, he didn't. He never addressed the situation of having multiple wives. Solomon, all of these men who had multiple wives, all of the kings had multiple wives. That's just what they did. And so, do not beat yourself up if you have to make that decision. Do not suffer in silence if you have to make that decision. I got to the point where I didn't care about what anybody thought about me. I didn't care, you know, we attend the same church we we still get together as a family for holidays or whatnot. But, you know, it's just when you're in the same church, it can be awkward. But at first I was concerned about what people would think. But it was a point in the marriage I didn't even care. You know what? Sometimes all that matters is your sanity, having and keeping your sanity. And so at the end of the day, none of those people had go home with me. None of those people had to deal with what I was dealing with, live with what I was living with. They could think what they want. Oh, he's a nice guy. She's a nice girl. Oh, they're such a beautiful couple. We got that all the time. You're such a beautiful couple. You have such a beautiful family, having no clue the hell that was going on behind closed doors. So you have to get past people. If you want to live and not die... And keep your sanity. You have to get over people. And that's what I did. And so now I don't care. I care about my peace and my mental health. I care about being here for these kids. That's what I care about at the end of the day. Being the best that I can be in my job, my career, my side hustles. As a mom, Whatever, a homesteader, a podcaster, a choreographer, a director, a dancer, an author, all of the things that God has called me to do, I have to be my best. And I cannot be my best if I don't have peace of mind. And there comes a time in your life where there is nothing more important than your peace. There's nothing more important than your peace. So I want you to be encouraged. I hope this podcast has helped you. And again, please spread the word. If you know somebody in this situation, have them listen to this podcast. I've been very transparent on this podcast. As much as I am allowed to, there's just certain things that I just cannot share. But as much as I have felt you know, okay to share. I have shared. So I hope that you can take this information and that you can run with it, and it can be helpful and be a blessing to you as well as others. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I will be with you next time. Hello, this is Kristen, and thank you so much for listening to Kristen's Simple Life. For John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you are not saved and desire a deeper relationship with God, all you have to do is confess your sins to him and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. And that is it, folks. You are saved. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. And if you want to follow me on social media, I am on Instagram at Kristen Simple Life. God bless you, and I will be with you next time.